The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes past eight. On the forum this morning, we look closely at the proposed employment tax incentive meant to reduce the cost to employers for hiring young people. Cabinet approved recently for public comment the draft employment tax incentive bill aimed at encouraging employers to give young people their first job experience as well as boost employment by firms operating in special economic zones. These employees will be between the ages of 19 and 29, possess a South African ID and must receive a salary that is between the minimum wage for that specific sector and 6,000 rand per month. The incentive will be available for the first two years of employment and will also apply within special economic zones and designated industries where the age restriction will not apply. Now, according to the National Treasury, the background to the employment incentive is that millions of young South Africans are excluded from economic activity and as a result, the youth suffer disproportionately from unemployment discouragement and economic marginalisation. How will the Employment Tax Incentive Bill impact on youth unemployment? That's the question we're asking this morning to Lunisa Fuzile, who's the Director General of the National Treasury. Tim Harris, the Democratic Alliance's Shadow Minister of Finance, who's in our Seapoint Studios. And with me here in Johannesburg, Patrick Craven, the National Spokesperson for the Congress of South African Trade Unions. Kosatu, gentlemen, good morning to you all and thanks for joining us. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Mr. Fuzile, let me start with you, just so that we can get clarity. I mean, we've been talking about uh, a youth wage subsidy in the past. Now we're talking about employment tax incentive bill, but there's also something called the um, Youth Employment uh, Accord. What is the difference? Is there a difference between these documents, or are they linked to these proposals, policies? There is definitely a difference uh, between the original uh, proposal which was uh, exclusively targeted at the youth and therefore uh, appropriately called the youth wage incentive and the uh, employment tax incentive which we talk about now there is no difference and no contradiction between the youth accord and the employment tax incentive I'll come to this last one uh, later on the first one the employment tax incentive contrary to how it has tended to be captured in the public, uh, in the media especially, it doesn't apply only to the youth. It will apply to older persons earning uh, a salary that falls uh, or a wage falling below uh, the minimum tax threshold that is up to 72,000. And this is the w- youth wage subsidy you speak of? Sorry, I'm saying it's the, the same subsidy, the subsidy that will apply to the youth, but will also apply to older people. Is this but the employment tax incentive bill or the youth wage subsidy? I'm the, sorry the, to be so pedantic, no, okay, let but me, we need okay, to, let we need to be clear. I'm saying originally, when the president in 2010 rose in parliament, he announced a youth wage subsidy. The minister followed suit. There was consultation. Now we have a redesigned incentive tax incentive. The mm-hmm. tax incentive which will apply to the youth as well as it will apply to older persons in special economic zones. So that's the distinction I'm making. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that those two are different. But the, the employment tax incentive which is what the legislation that we published as draft which is now uh, considered by Parliament, 
is talking to is one of many initiatives that would fall under the umbrella of a range of initiatives covered by the, the, the Youth Accord. Now, have there been consultations on this Employment Tax Incentive Bill? Now, you see, a bill translates into law something that has been agreed or discussed in policy. Immediately after the President had uh, made the announcement and the Minister communicated the same in, in the uh, budget speech, there was a consultation process, very quickly uh, captured, by the way, um, consultations at NEDLEC. There is no other issue uh, that in my life in this job I've spent more time at NEDLEC discussing than, for instance, this uh, um, uh, incentive issue to encourage employment, to share costs with employers. Uh, uh, between government. Let me make a very important point that uh, often gets lost in, 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 in the conversations on, on incentives. This is an incentive that's targeted at stimulating demand for labor. Government incurs what we call a tax expenditure, sometimes even direct expenditure, to incentivize a whole range of things. The motor industry in South Africa, that's thriving in Roslyn in particular, is on the back of incentives. Those incentives have tended for a long time to support capital. In other words, they have made capital a bit cheap. Now, in, in the economic climate that we live in, if you combine those incentives with the fact that interest rates are at historical lows or 30-year lows, you certainly have had a change in the relative price of capital versus labor that is not really helping labor. So in a way, it is very important that ways be thought through, found and put into action to make sure that in a context where unemployment is as high as it is, especially among young people, Something is done to make sure that labor okay. is made attractive. But that something must not compromise the rights that have been hard fought for by labor. Right. Mr. Fuzile, if, if you'll allow me to just interrupt you there, because we That's will fine. get to the merits of uh, that fine. argument in terms of what the bill proposes and if it will achieve uh, what it propo uh, says its objectives are. But I want to get back to the issue of uh, consultation, because then uh, Mr. Harris and uh, Mr. Craven, it should set both your minds at ease. And in fact, it contradicts what you, as Kasatu, say, that there's been no consultation on it. And Mr. Harris, I think it answers your question uh, because you have said you want to uh, find out from government if there has been a buy-in into this incentive. So let's start first with you then, uh, Mr. Craven. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned the Youth Employment Accord, um, an accord which uh, Kasatu and organized labor in general signed and which had many very uh, concrete, practical, constructive ways of dealing with the huge problem which we fully accept of youth unemployment. And it's interesting that that document, 
signed by government, made no mention whatsoever of this kind of subsidy, and in fact it uh, implicitly condemned it by uh, calling for sustainable decent work opportunities, which, and I'm quoting, avoid employment schemes that simply displace older workers. But is that not that a, is in an, fact inter- a, a, an exactly issue of interpretation? That is exactly what we're now being presented with. It's quite clear. And um, we cannot understand why uh, the Treasury didn't include this latest proposal in that accord if they thought it was a good scheme. And I believe that uh, it's a a fundamentally bad scheme which will not solve the problem of youth unemployment. It's simply an attempt to solve it by a huge tax handout to employers to employ workers, many of whom they would have employed anyway. The Treasury itself some years ago did an estimate that as many as 58% of uh, workers who would qualify for the subsidy to the employer would have been employed anyway so it's, it's just like a, a, an extra Christmas present for the, uh, for the employers and in particular we're concerned at this question of displacement there is very little in the bill to reassure workers that if they don't qualify for subsidies they won't simply be uh, dismissed okay, to make way for those who do qualify for the subsidy Mr Harris? Well, I'm afraid um, in those two inputs you can hear the reason why this uh, very good initiative has been blocked for for three years. Um, I'm afraid the the big losers here are the unemployed young people of this country, some of whom stand a chance to actually get their first job through an initiative like this. But you you had, as Lungisa reminded us, the president announced this in 2010, three years ago, And it's the first policy that I've been aware of that's been announced and budgeted for and held up because of the views that that Mr. Craven's just expressed um, at the cost of youth employment in this country. But you sound like you buy into this, and yet you have written uh, saying that you are going to ask Minister Patel for first quarter audits on youth employment accord and uh, present it to Cabinet to determine not only the outcomes of the court, but whether the Employment Tax Incentive Bill is seen as part of the efforts of the court and whether or not there has been indeed uh, some sort of uh, buy-in from various constituencies in, in NEDLAC. No, absolutely. We, as you know, we're firmly behind the principle of a youth wage subsidy. We think this bill needs to pass, but we are concerned about two matters. The first is the matter of the Youth Employment Accord that Mr. Craven's already covered, because it does, I'm afraid, say that all incentives like this need to be approved by all constituencies. And in the, the public hearings in Parliament yesterday, the Kasati delegation and the NUMSA delegation confirmed with us that it had not been approved by all of the NEDLAC constituencies. The, the second issue is, unfortunately, they told us, the, the Kusatsu delegates, that Treasury took the, the policy of a youth wage subsidy to NEDLAC um, and then didn't come back. And, and the, the delegates from Kusatsu yesterday suggested that Treasury actually hadn't completed a negotiation process at NEDLAC and, and that no reports had been published by NEDLAC. So that's a, a, a very unusual way for us to continue trying to pass a law in Parliament when NEDLAC hasn't written reports on the law. Mr. Fuzile, then how would you avoid some of the concerns that have been raised in the past, which Kasatu raises now about 
what uh, may be the challenges to this bill and are they warranted? For instance, they say that there will be massive deadweight losses. He spoke about that earlier. You heard him talk about that. Now, look, the, the, both, both issues, by the way, are valid. Uh, that uh, on, on the dead weight loss, there's an exaggeration on the numbers used. Uh, but put that aside, uh, surely when you introduce an incentive like that, there will be people who employ people and draw down the, uh, the claim the incentive who would have employed people anyway. Uh, no one would deny that. But surely that cannot be your reason for saying that if there is a chance that you would add several extra people to employment, who would ordinarily have not had the chance, had there been no such an incentive, then you don't do the incentive. It certainly can't be. But they're arguing that, that it will have significant substitution effects. No, no, no. That, I'm dealing with the point of dead weight loss. I'm coming to the substitution effect. Uh, the two, the two are, are separate. So I'm saying that you, you can't then, in the face of unemployment levels like we have, young people lacking experience and confronting adverts every time that say that uh, one year experience, at least two years experience, and you say to them, you sit at home because we don't want to incur dead weight loss because if we incentivize, there's a risk that some people would have been employed anyway would be employed. There's no way to separate for that, not in design and not anywhere. But on the, on the issue of displacement, which is a very valid concern that uh, has been raised by different constituencies in the context of NEDLEC, and it is for this reason that Section 5, of, of the bill uh, covers the issue of disqualification of employers because they have embarked in displacement. They substitute uh, um, older, um, uh, older workers with uh, the, the, the workers who are uh, subsidized, uh, whether it's young people or in special economic zones, uh, everyone else. Now, <clears throat> I, mean, I would say that what would help a lot would be an instance where uh, people like Mr. Craven and everyone else who is concerned about this issue of displacement work <clears throat> through the processes of processing the law to reinforce the provisions that deal with displacement in the law so that in the design of the subsidy in the monitoring and the actions that get taken against those who embark in this unacceptable conduct, you make sure that you disincentivize, you discourage, you make it totally uh, unattractive for people to engage in displacement. Okay. But let's that too cannot be a reason not to try something like this well, let's in ask the Mr. face Craven of the levels of unemployment Craven, that the people country are has. wondering why you would say no to something that would tackle the unemployment problem in this country or do you believe that it doesn't deal with the underlying causes of unemployment exactly we will support anything that uh, does genuinely deal with the problem of unemployment the whole problem with this legislation it doesn't it's simply a taxpayer's handout to business and if I could take up this specific point about the disqualification of employers who try to abuse the system. As the Act stands, it would be virtually impossible to prove that that had happened. Uh, the employer simply has to find some other reason why he uh, dismissed uh, the workers who are being replaced, and it would be then for the employer to prove, first of all, that uh, those reasons were not legitimate, that it was an unfair dismissal, and then to try to prove that it was done in order 
to employ other workers and get the subsidy. It would be virtually impossible. We have huge problems of enforcing labour laws already, and that one would be a particularly difficult one uh, to do. And so it doesn't really uh, meet with the problem at all. Uh, we're taking a course on 0891 Perhaps uh, to, to come to you, Mr. Harris, given the global financial uh, meltdown, the, the challenges that we're all facing, especially developing countries, will this have a real effect, real impact on the economy? Will it uh, lead to greater productivity, do you think? Well, certainly we know that South Africa has one of the highest youth unemployment rates in the world. Uh, about 60% of, of young people, if you include those that have given up looking, are, are unemployed. And, and as a total of the group of unemployed, about 70% are, 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 of them are young. So unemployment, as we know, is extremely high in South Africa, but it's also a problem of young people. So what, you, you, what we're looking for is incentives like this that make it easier for firms to hire young people and, and help absorb some of the cost of giving a young person their first job. Oh, eight, nine, one, one, oh, four, two, eight, getting their foot on the ladder and helping make sure that they are more employable once they've had that first work experience. Um, so that's why we've been supporting this uh, policy for three years. We are very alarmed that Kusati has managed to, to, to block it for three years, and I'm very afraid that this issue of non-consultation, the issue that the Youth Employment Accord requires buy-in from all um, constituencies, means that, in fact, we will not be seeing this uh, youth wage subsidy anytime soon. We're taking calls on 0891-104-208. Quezzy's on the line from Port Elizabeth. He says uh, it won't curb unemployment. Why do you say this, Quezzy? Good morning, Tepiso, and good morning to your listeners. Tepiso, I really fail to understand our government sometimes. How do you induce people to employ? You, you, if employers out there, when they need a skill, if they need it, they go out there and get it. You can't just come with the bill and next thing everybody's looking for employment. Business knows where to get skills. When they don't need it, they don't need it. I think government should focus on making sure that they go aggressive on skills training. Make sure that we focus on enterprise development out there and make sure we have more entrepreneurs and make sure that we, instead of uh, a lot of businesses failing in their first or two years of startup, we make sure we, we put more resources there than to give uh, incentives or tax havens for people who really do not need because we have people who are running around here with degrees but they are only making coffee because they, 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 there's no skill taking place two years later people are sitting here with IT degrees but all they do is just print papers and, and fax copies and that's all they do Alright, thank you very much uh, Kwezi, we'll go to Mvuso Ekaya in Bisho, good morning Sabiso and your guest good morning Good morning, good morning Look, the, the manner in which this thing is structured, it, it, it's not going to allow any young person uh, a step on the ladder, as the, the, the other guest said. Because once you rely on, 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 on private sector to help you meet, meet your targets, you're not going to succeed. Look at the, the CETAS program, for instance. Look at the, the jobs fund. How many companies are going for those to provide training, to provide uh, a jobs, even though there's an incentive? My proposal, which is in, in a way a question to Mr. Fuzile, is this. If you look at the legislative framework and policy regime, uh, especially the MFMA and the PFMA, it, it, it focuses more on procuring through tenders. 
Why is it that we don't liberate that regime to say municipalities, instead of going for a tender, they must employ engineers and employ people that are going to build roads and every infrastructure and even maintain it? Because if you do that, you save money that you, you spend on companies and, 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 and middlemen and all that. You give that money to municipalities and departments. They do the actual work. I think when we do that, we will create okay. jobs. Because instead of relying on private individuals, government has to rely on its institutions to create and sustain jobs. Right, I'll listen on the radio. Thanks, Mbusaka. Mzandile, Port Elizabeth, you say uh, not good morning, really. Good morning, thank you, sir, to your audience. You know what I'm actually surprised? I did not even know that the government has got spare cash to even spend on incentives like this. The fundamental issue that government should be taking is economic growth and economic development. This, uh, to me, is, uh, seems just to be another way that uh, uh, government is pulling a rack over people's faces. Because what will end up happening is government will then be paying uh, employees uh, that should actually be paid, paid by the employer. It, lastly, one thing that has not come through yet is the time uh, of, or the frame that uh, the employee uh, under this incentive would be employed by the by the by the employer. By that I mean, if I'm absorbed or employed by the employer under this incentive this year, how long must I be in that job before that incentive runs out? Because you are likely to have an issue, a situation where the employer retains those kinds of mm-hmm. workers and and continues to recycle under this very scheme. No per capita growth of these individuals or these youngsters would be increasing. Okay. Thank you. There is a time frame, though. Uh, I think it's two years. Am I correct, Mr. Fuzile? Yes, it is. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Let's take news headlines now. 891 We'll take more of your calls uh, when we return, but uh, an update of your headlines with Fabakshini Chetty. Good morning. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Well, it's uh, now 22 minutes to 9, and we continue with our conversation on the forum. How will the Employment Tax Incentive Bill impact on youth unemployment? This is the question we're asking in conversation with Lunya Safuzile, who is Director General of the National Treasury. And uh, Tim Harris is in our Seapoint studios. He's a Democratic Alliance's Shadow Minister of Finance. Here in the studio with me, Patrick Craven, the National Spokesperson of Congress of South African Trade Unions. And you, of course, can also uh, SMS on three four. I'll read some of the SMSs in just a moment. Two rand per SMS, it'll cost you on Twitter at AimLive on SAFM. You can call us on 0891 and uh well, let's come back to you, Mr. Fuzile, to get you to respond to some of the questions raised by Kwezi Vusuekayam Zandile. Zandile is saying it seems that government is paying employees instead of employers. Vusum Ukaya saying that why don't you uh, review some of the policies that prevent government from perhaps hiring directly his municipalities as an example uh, instead of relying on the tender system. And Kwezi saying business surely knows when it needs skills so this won't address the problems. Uh, let me start at the bottom, you know. The the comment that Mzwandile uh, makes, I think he's on Port Elizabeth, on Bay Metropolitan Municipality, is a very good point because absent growth, you know, uh, the the incentive wouldn't work. In fact, you, you do need economic growth uh, to make sure that uh, the multitudes of our people who are unemployed can get work. 
government has got a whole range of initiatives uh, anchored under the umbrella of the National Development Plan now as a vision, the NGP, uh, and those would include even uh, the, the, the Industrial um, Policy Action Plan uh, that's under the auspices of, of, of PTI. So we, 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 we would agree that uh, we do need growth. But at the same time, at the same time, that cannot be a substitute in the immediate term for for initiatives such as uh, this employment tax incentive, which really works on the different side of the market, which is the demand side of the market, which encourages the people who employ, encourages the people who employ to to hire to hire more people. That that is the the, the aim of this. Now internalizing all the work within government uh, would would reach a, a limitation at some point. Yes, some of the work gets done in government and it creates employment. That is fine. There's a place for that. But in an economy like ours, that is structurally designed the way it is, where the private sector dominates and does a, a, a good job uh, most of the time, uh, there will be times where you may not agree with what it does, 70-80% uh, of our economy is in private hands uh, correspondingly, uh, roughly the same amount of employment is created by the private sector. So the private sector has to be at the heart of But I think to this point, he was speaking about market demand, which you just referred to now, and that there's a global trend just in terms of youth unemployment where it has found that uh, skills mismatch on youth labor markets has become persistent. Look, the, 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 the most important thing that we, we have got to understand is that we're dealing with a complex problem, dealing with a structural problem. And, of course, it's, there is no single measure that can undo all of the unemployment problem that we have. So it is in that context that incentives that have been given to a whole range of sectors, by the way, and, and, and it's quite curious that... Uh, they get viewed uh, differently in certain sectors and, and not this time. But I don't want to really get into that debate. Okay. Uh, just briefly, if I can get you, because I know Mr. Craven wants to respond to the issue of uh, uh, training. But uh, just for the listeners to know, what are the compliance determinants and agreements in terms of minimum remuneration? I mean, do we have a minimum wage in all of the sectors that is agreed upon? Yes. Look, the, the, it's First and foremost, this does not override existing sector determinations, minimum wages where these apply, labor laws where these apply. In fact, if anything, the legislation does cross-reference to those pieces of legislation. That's the first point. Secondly, we have elected, at least in the bill that's out there, this may still change, subject to how Parliament views it, subject to the comments that they receive, to pitch it at 2000 which is above the minimum wage in certain sectors, by the way. So, in a way, it is fallacious, in fact, completely wrong, to suggest that this is going to push wages down. At least I would challenge a person to explain logically how it will. Because whilst there are minimum wages in certain sectors that are below 2000 what we're saying in this uh, legislation, what is proposed is that a person must at least earn 
a minimum wage of 2,000 for them to qualify for a subsidy of 1,000. Okay. And then it goes up to uh, a person who earns uh, 6,000, then it reaches zero, and then beyond that you don't qualify. M- Mr. Craven, what do you have to say on that? And I know you want to talk about uh, training. We'll get to that. You can answer um, or speak to that point in just a moment. But I want to talk about the issue of entry-level wages vis-a-vis productivity. Yes, one of our main criticisms is that, in fact, it will do exactly what Laiusa says it won't do. The uh, subsidy will apply to workers who are on the, the lowest level. At least it will be geared. They will, you will get a bigger subsidy for workers on 2000 which is a very, very low wage. And therefore, there is a clear incentive for employers to employ more workers on those low wages in order to qualify for the bigger subsidy. And so that's why we uh, see a real danger of what we've called a multi-tiered labor market developing, where you get the, uh, these workers who uh, qualify for the maximum subsidy because they're on the minimum laid down by the sectoral determination or collective bargaining. Also, there's no mention of benefits, so that uh, the workers who uh, attract the subsidy uh, will get the same minimum wage, but there's nothing to say they will get the same benefits in terms of provident fund or medical aid. If I could just touch on some of the callers. Kwesi made an excellent point about focusing on skills training. And yet one of the worst things about this bill is there's no mandatory uh, obligation on the employer to give the uh, young workers they employ any uh, skills training. And so they can leave when uh, they no longer qualify for the subsidy. The employer can simply get rid of them and they will have no more skills than when they started. And this, I think, also answers the DA's point about uh, uh, giving young workers the experience. Finally, on the uh, Mzwandile's excellent contribution, I thought, I agree totally about the need to tackle the underlying economic problems of growth and development. Uh, Loyosa quite rightly says the government has many good policies. The problem is they're not being implemented fast enough. But also, when uh, Mzwandile said that the government is paying uh, for what employers should pay, it's creating what you could call a culture of dependency amongst employers. Mm. That uh, This bill, as uh, Loyosa said right at the beginning, doesn't just cover youth, it covers all sorts of other subsidies. So employers who are employing young workers in a special economic zone could claim numerous benefits so that increasingly it's the taxpayers who are paying the the wages of these workers. And don't forget, most taxpayers are themselves workers. So in effect, the government is asking workers to pay to solve their own problem of creating jobs. Mr. Harris, um, one of the other concerns that Kasatu has is that it could simply increase markups for firms without increasing employment, but it also challenges your point of view that uh, there is actually a case to be made in terms of the youth wage subsidies and a gap between uh, entry-level or minimum wages and productivity, and e- or even employment itself. Yeah, there's a, <coughs> sorry, there's a lot to respond to there. The, the, on that first point, the, one of the reasons why we're so strongly in support of an incentive like this is because it allows you to incentivize firms to create jobs without adjusting wage levels or conditions of employment. So on uh, Patrick's point about this resulting in a lowering of wages, the, the subsidy only kicks in if you create a new job. 
So it doesn't affect existing workers at all, and any new workers employed will get the same wage that they would have got before and be employed in the same, under the same conditions. So I think that also speaks to um, the Mwanzile's point in PE, uh, where, where he questioned what happens once the subsidy ends. And I can tell him that in the Western Cape, where we've implemented a pilot project to test this youth wage subsidy, we've had it running for a few years, we've subsidized around 4,000 young people in, in work in Cape Town. And about half of them have retained their jobs. But the ones that have got the experience and then left find themselves three times more likely to get employed <laughs> since they've had that work experience. So I think somebody mentioned earlier about the, I think it was uh, Lungisa, about all the plans that government has, the NDP, the, the new growth path, mm. the uh, youth wage subsidy. The, we, we, we acknowledge that the government has a lot of plans, but we don't see them being implemented. And I think your listeners, when they hear the vast distance between Patrick Craven and Lungisa Fazila today, they can see why these plans aren't implemented. There is such an ideological division within the tripartite alliance that we don't move forward on implementing any of these plans. And I think what you've heard Mr. Craven say today is the views of those people that have jobs. He represents employed people in this country. Kosatu's opposition to this bill is because they're trying to protect those that have jobs already. They don't want to let the outsiders in. They don't want to let young South Africans who are unemployed get work. Well, let me read some SMSs before I come to you. Tula Sipo and Joe. Tlaiseka Chauke says to create jobs, South Africa needs skills development, education, environment, education and environment that's conducive to FDI and industrialism, not consumerism. The scheme is artificial and cannot be sustained. Spion KZN says we should not be fooled here. Companies don't care about this mantra of jobs. This is to maximize profits. The scheme will just assist them to do so. Once again, qualified people will experience with experience are sidelined so NC can pursue counterproductive ideologies that do more to retard development than boost upliftment, not signed. Another one that's not signed says all that government needs is to to do is relax labor laws, ban unions, South Africa's economy will skyrocket. Unions are and idiotic legislation are destroying South Africa. And another one that's still not signed says this is due to lack of vision. How can you pay corporates to employ your people while you can support us to start our own big businesses? Well, two lessons, Germiston, what do you have to say? Hi. Uh, good morning, Superman uh, and your panel. I'm going to disagree with Kosatu. Um, Kosatu's got it wrong. This is pure, pure economics. You know, um, in our country, we have a, a serious issue of being able to get young people to to get experience. This is a very good opportunity for for young um, graduates to actually gain experience so that they are able to, 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 to have that experience to move on to other jobs. It is so I, I found it difficult to actually get my first real job uh, in, in the formal sector, you know, um, with this type of specialism. What is happening, what's going to happen is that um, companies are going to be incentivized to actually hire young graduates so that we get experience. Because if you look in the paper, it talks about two years' experience or three years' experience. Okay. If you have that experience, you are sidelined. So I don't know why Kosati is opposing this, because this is an opportunity for us young people to be able to get that experience that we lack. All right, thanks, you know? Tulas. I have to move on, I'm afraid. Sipo in Orlando, you say it won't work. Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, uh, this is directed to Patrick. Uh, the 
unions have been taking contributions from workers. What have they done with those contributions? Because I don't think that to manage their offices it would take so much money. What they do, they invest the money in the very same corporates uh, that are owned by the so-called former oppressors. But on this point, I, I think it won't work because the only thing that will work is when we start creating our own corporates. You cannot pay people to employ your people. We just need to source people who know how to do things and then start our own businesses that will operate parallel to the already established corporates. Because the way we are doing it, we are actually saying oppression must continue. Okay, thanks, Yaj in Cape Town. Uh, morning, Chepiso. Good morning. Uh, <clears throat> I agree with Kosato's position on this. I think it's a very poorly conceived idea, the youth wage subsidy. And a much better idea is a basic income. That is a basic income grant that goes to every citizen working and not employed. This will do much more to create demand for goods and services in the country and for job creation. And it is actually something, a concept that's receiving uh, much greater attention now, uh, presently in Europe as well, even in Switzerland, there, uh, there's a, a petition for a referendum for the government to look at a basic income for all Swiss citizens, and that is quite a substantial amount. Okay. In South Africa, we're not even demanding that. It can be done in very creative ways. It can be done as local currencies. It can be done as uh, food and energy vouchers. It can be uh, you know, done with conditionally, where people have to attend the family planning clinic. Right. Et cetera, Point et cetera, taken. Et Thanks, but, uh, Yaj. I'm afraid I have to... I'm, I'm sorry, I have to move on, Yaj. I've got Joe in Durban. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, how are you? Fine, how are you, Joe? Yeah, you, you know, my suggestion is government, I, I would like to first of all congratulate Mr. Craven and his crew, you know, the Labour Federation, for barring such proposals. You know, government, I think, must first conduct a proper research before they do things. Because from my listening to the radio, 99% of people are against this, and I'm just wondering where they're getting these ideas so that they can push them out to the public. You know, and uh, what I'm thinking, you know, it's very suspicious uh, because the probability is that, you know, the same people uh, in government, since government is the biggest employer in the country, will be benefiting from this uh, rollout. You know, where the, the, the aunties, the uncles and them are getting the money, you know, in the name of employers employing youth. And I, I would like to think, you know, business are risk takers. They need to continue in that part. Because so far they are already yeah, they are already exploiting workers. Thanks, they need Joe. to just uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Joe. Let me read some SMSs and uh, I'll get final comments from my guest. Denise says, uh, I've got a business and I want to train or set up an apprenticeship for a young person giving a skill. Am I given a tax incentive? Marie says, most crimes committed by young people get them off the street into a workplace they don't want to vote to become because they have no hope. JPE says, labor brokers could be limited to new entrants to the workplace so they can't get work experience. Surely this is the way it should be structured and uh, Peter Mukwena says Kasatu expect from us to employ citizens on a permanent basis only to paint the roof of your house well a quick break and then I'll get final comments from my guests with just a few swipes and taps of your finger you can submit your tax return in just a few minutes that's right the new SARS e-filing app makes filing your income tax return easy convenient and stress free 
All you have to do is download the app to your Apple, Android or smartphone handset or tablet and follow the step-by-step instructions. Now you can do your tax easily, honestly and on time. Visit sars.gov.za for more info. SARS, at your service. Thanks to Telcom Business, I can start my next business venture with confidence because from the get-go, I'll have fast uncapped ADSL.coza domain registration, hosting with storage and email. Yep, that's going to be the next big thing, only bigger. Just as soon as I figure out where the next venture is going to be. Get an uncapped deal from Telcom Business and get your business going for the promotional price of $3.99 a month. Call 10213, visit telcomshop.coza or go to a Telcom store. T's and C's apply. Rethink uncapped. Telcom Business. Good Hope FM connects to GovTech 2013 at the CTICC from the 20th to the 23rd of October. SA's premier annual ICT government conference explores ways in which government can use new technology and social media to improve service delivery. Join me, Stan Mars, live from 12 to 3 p.m. on Tuesday the 22nd and the Ozone from 3 to 6 p.m. on the 23rd to kickstart the idea sharing and implementation strategy. Register at govtech.co.za to be there. Brought to you by CETA, an entity of the Ministry for Public Service and Administration and ICT Innovation Technology for 21st Century Government. Good FM, connecting Cape Town. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. For seven minutes to a seven minutes to nine, let me get final comments from all my guests. Mr. I'm going to give you about uh, 40 seconds each. Mr. Fuzile, if I could just uh, get your final comments. And if you can perhaps briefly clarify the employer in this context, what it means, because um, when uh, two lads wants to, or one of the SMSs wanted to find out if they'd be eligible. All employers who are allowed to withhold pay as you earn um, and, and are qualifying with all relevant statutes, including labor laws, would be allowed to participate in this incentive. Let me, in making my own concluding remark, reiterate a point I made very early, which may have been lost, which is that government has got many incentives, several of them. We have got the the motor industry incentive that we give to uh, the businesses that in Roslyn, which is an example I use, clothing incentives, uh, event development zones. We have got multitudes of incentives. The basic logic, economic logic uh, behind them is largely the same to the logic that's applied here. Okay. It's about inducing people to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do or do more of them. I the key on this can... one would be to minimize whatever negative consequences where these are likely to, to, to occur. I wonder if you can, and I really mean uh, as yes. briefly as possible, perhaps five seconds. Have you costed this? Yes, we have. At how much? It will, the cost will range between 1 and 2.3 billion over the first three years. And afterwards, we will evaluate whether it's doing the things that we okay. wanted to do or has got negative consequences that we didn't anticipate okay. and either change it or terminate it. 30 seconds to you, Patrick Craven. Apologies. Yeah, first of all, Tim's point about existing wages being safe, it's not the wages we're concerned about, it's the jobs. If an employer can get a much bigger subsidy of uh, 50% for someone earning 2,000 rand, there'll be enormous pressure to get rid of workers who are earning more. Toulouse made a very good point about youth experience. We're totally in agreement, and the Youth Employment Accord is full of excellent proposals to uh, uh, create work opportunities for people like himself. And uh, finally, 1.3 billion, I think, says it all. 
that is money which could have been used for all sorts of socially useful purposes, which is simply going straight into the pockets of employers who are for employing people who they could have employed anyway, and inevitably, we believe, uh, pushing down the level of wages and job security. Right. Uh, finally, if no, I no, just no, say, I'm this to must you, Mr. <laughs> be discussed at Nedler. And uh, your 30 seconds, Mr. Harris. Thanks. The DA is supporting this bill not because we think it's a silver bullet for unemployment, but because it represents some hope for young unemployed South Africans. They're the real outsiders. I hope Treasury will be able to answer these questions on NEDLAC and the Youth Employment Accord, because then we can implement a real strong youth wage subsidy and overcome these three years of opposition from Kasatu that they've mounted to protect their insiders. We, as the DA, will certainly be working to get this bill passed in Parliament. Thank you very much to all of you. Tim Harris of the Democratic Alliance, Lungile Fuzile, the DG in the Treasury. Thank you very much, spokesperson for Kosatu, uh, Patrick Craven. And thanks to you for all your calls and your SMSs. It's 9 o'clock time for your news with Fabachni Chetty. Thereafter, morning talk with Rowena Bird.